as a computational biology, my first language was R. So I used that to build the algorithm, knowing it's not the best correct uh, tool to, to write and it's not very uh, projectable. But it does the work. I mean, statistically, it's, it's good. And I knew I could get from, you know, zero to 100 using R pretty fast because we wanted to have something up and running in the world to create value for users. So we really found the minimal set of features, namely a person uses it with and without medication. I'm Einat Sidbon, the CTO and co-founder of iFocus Health. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Enot Sitboon is revolutionizing ADHD care by making it about data, not opinions. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Enot Sitbun has always been intrigued by nature and all of its parts. She studied biology in school all the way through getting her PhD in computational biology. This field also introduced her to computation in general and programming. Outside of tech, she's married with two kids and loves to hike. Her and her family share a love of fiction and fantasy books and made mention of a few of her favorite authors like N.K. Jemisin and J.R.R. Tolkien. Enot and her sister are very close. And at one point, her sister mentioned that her son was diagnosed with ADHD. They found it difficult to understand how there wasn't a tool to help measure the concentration of a person with this diagnosis. They both started digging into how to solve this problem. This is the creation story of iFocus Health. So my sister is the one who started the whole thing. We are very close, we're a year and a half apart, but she's on the other side of the world. She told me that uh, her son was diagnosed with ADHD, and she was surprised to understand that there's no way to learn if the medication is working, besides asking him how was his day and how concentrated he was, which is complicated for anyone, but for adolescents with ADHD to know how was your concentration during, I don't know, math class a few hours ago is not very informative, and of course not objective by definition. 
So she started to look for data and to see if there is a way to find it quantitatively, because she's also coming from the scientific background. And after not finding any, she said, okay, so let's do our uh, own product. And that's the idea. The idea is identifying how good ADHD treatment is working for a specific person. And after looking for a way to do that, we understood that the secret is in the eyes, meaning one of the major functionalities that most of us need to do is to read. And when having a concentration issues, that's very hard. So you need to work much harder. And you can see that if you track the eyes, you follow the eyes around, you can see how hard a person is working to read a, a paragraph. So what our product does is track your eyes while you're reading the paragraph and identify from that how well your medication is doing for you. And, and that's a basic idea. After diving into this field more, we understood that in general, for mental health, you don't have much data for many treatments. And we think that using uh, the eye of the window is a very good platform for understanding how good medication is working. This is different from diagnosis, where you do have some tools, because when you're doing a diagnosis, you need to do some differential between different conditions, and uh, you have a lot more noise and things you need to separate. But once a person is diagnosed, you need to know how is he doing during the day and between visits to your doctor. And this is very hard to follow. You don't have currently any objective tools for that. Our product is a platform for evaluating brain mental health objectively. Let's dive into what you would consider the MVP. So that first version of the product you built. How long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Our MVP is really recent. We launched it just last February. We have the algorithm and the platform that is actually running it. To build the algorithm, we needed data. So that took about a year to develop, including setting up a research environment with our eye-tracking partner. So there's a company called Yumu. They're specializing in eye-tracking from webcams, and they help us set up a research environment. Very simple, straightforward in terms of the web parts or all the behind-the-scenes parts, but uh, with their top-notch technology to collect data from uh, people that participated in our research. Then uh, we collected the data and I built the algorithm offline. So I was using data analysis tools on my personal computer that what didn't require any uh, heavy lifting setting up. And after we had the algorithm, we set out to develop the MVP as a platform, the user interface, the database behind that will be working with users, the front end, the back end, all the parts. And this we used within our sourcing company Ukrainian called Nix and that was pretty fast so if the setting building the algorithm and collecting the data for it took about a year designing the platform itself took about a couple of months an additional three months to set it up so we had in five months everything up and running that was really cool we did it of course on a cloud environment and our ideas you know you don't invent the wheel where wheels are working well. So we're using standard tools to build things up, but did uh, take the time to design it to scale. 
database. Currently, we're not in a very high scale, but uh, the database is built in a way it will not uh, overflow. Let's stay on the MVP for just a second. Tell me about some decisions and trade-offs you had to make when building that MVP. It could be around feature cut, technical you know, technology decisions, which you touched on a bit, or you know, technical debt acceptance, or anything like that. Tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you coped with those decisions. Two things. First of all, I'm full-time in, the, in this project uh, since last July. So in the beginning, it was like juggling things around. As a computational biology, my first language was R. So I used that to build the algorithm, knowing it's not the best correct uh, tool to, to write and it's not very uh, projectable, but it does the work. I mean, statistically, it's, it's good. And I knew I could get from you know 0 to 100 using R pretty fast. Additionally, uh, we used very minimal features for the MVP, knowing that there's a lot more like to have there, but we want to have the minimal set that you can get up and running without a lot of time and not enough, not a lot of money, because we wanted to have something up and running in the world to create value for our users. So we really found the minimal set of features, uh, namely, you know, a person uses it with and without medication and uh, gets a score. But we would like to have that, you know, as report over time and other uh, additional information that we don't have right now because we want to be very, very focused. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. 
Let's move forward then. So you've got your MVP. It's working, proving the point. How are you progressing the product from there and how are you maturing it? I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how are you going about building your roadmap and how are you deciding this is the next most important thing to build or to address with iFocus Health? Right now we are in our MVP and we set up to have at least 200 users and before we have our next version because we want to have user feedback to improve a user journey. You never really know what a user will need and what will be a problem for them and what they would like to have before you actually talk to real life users. First of all, we want to have 200 users before we go into our next step. We have right now dozens of users, so and we launch in February, so we are on the right path. And also the additional uh, milestone will also have to do with the number of users and the scale of our work. Not so much in the product type, but more on the business part and how that will uh, work with our product. Once we have input from our users, we can improve the add new features as required. And for that, we have also you know the several milestones, things that are close features that we already really would like to have there. And the next step will be to increase usability or decrease the, the type of thing to do. So look not only on specific types of medication, but also interactions with additional treatments such as sport activities and things like that. And looking at results over time, not only reading them. So a lot of more information we would like to kind of middle range share with our users. A longer view, uh, currently the user to, to create the score needs to go into our website and read a paragraph. Although that's very good, that's an interruption into your daily uh, routine and ADHD people are not very good with interruptions. So we would like to have a plugin that will be in the background, figure out your reading text and start doing the calculations and then you can have information streaming back at you over time a bit like you have with your, uh, you know, measuring, measurement watches and things like that. So let's switch to team. How did you go about and how are you going about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? Right now, our team is Aditi Neu, who is a CEO and had the idea, and my sister. I joined her because she told me about her issues and being a data scientist. And then we were joined with uh, Ravi Dovinsky, she's our product uh, CPO, and uh, she also has a background with working on products in the digital health realm, so that was a very good fit with us. In addition, there was a, a also there a mutual interest in the field of ADHD. So you know you need to have someone with a kind of a interest in the same uh, in the project and what it's going to do. That's our main team right now. We have some really great advisors working with us, and uh, the development itself was done by mainly outsourcing. So uh, that was working with company that could deliver a development team that we can work with. So it's not like building our own team, but trying to outsource correctly. 
we are waiting to building our internal team in the future, but that would come after our probably next round of raising some money. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. So, okay, you mentioned it a bit earlier, but let's dive into it. And I want to talk about scalability. So was this built to scale efficiently or with scale in mind from day one? Or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction? And based on your answers, I have an inclination of where you're going to go, but I want to hear what you have to say. We did build it to scale, to accommodate for scale from day one. That was the idea. Many of the things are mainly designing it correctly, uh, even before putting in all the building blocks. But if the database is built in a way that it can have modules that can be changed easily if you want to change something, and building on AWS and the infrastructure with all the parts they've put in already, it will be much easier to scale in the future. Of course, that's the idea. We need to see how it works in practice. Reality is not what you imagined, but we try to prepare as much as we can. And and this is a big difference between our research environment that was not built to scale, but we knew we will not reuse the environment itself, but just the data coming out of it. And our MVP environment where we did want it to be something that can scale up. Okay, so then as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built thus far, what are you most proud of? So first of all, we are very happy that we are helping people. We have really nice input from our users. One user has already tried it for multiple times with many very different medications and getting some interesting feedback, which some of it she's sharing with us. And from the technical part, I really like my algorithm. So that's really fun to build something that is put out in the world and actually works. Working with data in the biology world for a long time, always know that there's a very big difference between 
the algorithm we built on the original set and what happens when it's out in the world. Was really scared it wouldn't work and looks it works very nicely, so I'm very proud of that. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. We started to look at eye tracking. We thought that we would use the most standard way of using eye tracking, which is there's something called SCADS, that is how much your eyes jump around and looking at how much you are focusing one point and on the other. And so these are kind of traditional eye tracking features we thought would be very important. But for them, you need to have very high-end equipment. So we started up our POC with high-end equipment set up on the garage of my sister in Palo Alto, which was cool. And we tried to analyze this data and understand how well it correlates with the effect of the medication. And it took us a while to understand that looking at reading patterns, how fluently someone reads, how your eyes walk around the page during your reading, and that is the thing that we can look at. And then we pivoted away from high-end equipment into webcams, because in the beginning we thought we should rent some equipment and set it up to users and try to figure out how to do that. And it took us a while to understand that that's not the way to go. We need to concentrate on things we can get out of webcams and things that are no equipment requirements there. Ina, this will be fun. What's the future look like for the product and for your team? So we really would like to have a platform for objective mental health status assessments, something that we could build for not only ADHD, but many other mental health issues. I would really like to have a nice team of data scientists looking at data from ADHD users, but also from users with other brain health conditions and trying to find new solutions for them and a better understanding what is the correct objective data measure to identify the treatment efficacy. Okay, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something that you look up to and why. So I've worked for many inspiring people over the years and learned a lot from many of them. Computational biology, there are people that come from different disciplines. That means no one really knows everything. That's very humbling. So I learned a lot from people I've worked with in Energy, that's the biggest company I've worked at, about proper software development processes and complex develop systems. I've learned a lot from many different people. In addition, I recently met a girl, a group of very inspiring uh, women, CTO group uh, called Baot, which is a group of women in tech in Israel. This is a very inspiring and supportive group. Uh, I really like hearing uh, about their challenges and how they met them and what helped them grow as a CTO. There are women that are in different stages, working as CTOs and different backgrounds, both personal and professional. So I learned a lot from them and go around the world in, in that way. Okay, we talked about a mistake. And I know it's still early days, but I want to ask this question in a little bit different way. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Where would you consider taking a different approach? Could have been something that worked, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. 
we're the UX part of our product. None of us coming from the UX kind of world. So we talk with people and add designers work with us. But this is something that and maybe we'll think more and plan more before we dive in. You know, we can always do better, but I think if there is a soft spot or a place that we could do better and on our project is improve the user experience. And although, of course, we're going to improve that during time, getting it better from the beginning, it could have been great. Last question, Ina. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? Actually, I talked with uh, my CEO, Adi, about this, and she had a very interesting insight about the health tech world, where people approach it usually because they want to do good in the world, which is very important. But in order to make a product actually be in the world, it has to make money. So you have to think about the money part really early to understand how your product will make money and to whom, which part of the system, because that's the only way your product will out, actually be out there in the world and work. You need to see how it, who will earn from it and how, uh, otherwise uh, it won't be. So that's kind of the more uh, serious, serene kind of advice. The other thing that that people will always share their own worries and doubts, always. And that shouldn't break you personally and professionally because you know best what you're doing. Everyone else is more of an advisor. It's much easier to be an advisor than a doer. You can listen to all the advices, but then you yourself need to decide what to do and what is best for you. That's fantastic advice. Well, Enoch, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of iFocus Health. Thank you. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.